last 15. Respect all, fear none. Into the upper deck. Intensity is not a perfume. Hello, Utah Street. Five, four, three, two, one. Welcome into the Mass and All Access podcast, everybody, from the Mass and Web Studio. Bobby Blanco, Amy Jennings coming at you live on the Mass and Nationals Facebook page and YouTube channel. Thank you so much for making us a part of your Wednesday afternoon. It is February 23rd, which means, of course, we're getting closer to spring, getting closer to spring training. Mm-hmm. We've got some baseball to talk about. Uh, we'll be talking a lot about prospective national free agent targets because with the presumption that the league uh, season is going to be starting soon, there are a well over 100 free agents yet to be signed. So we're going to expect a kind of a flurry of signing like we saw right before the lockout, mm-hmm. right when the lockout ends as well. Uh, Fangraphs just put out their top 100 prospects list, so we'll be touching on that real quickly uh, at the top of the show too. And also, uh, minor league camp did start down at uh, West Palm Beach uh, for the Nationals and I think for a lot of major league clubs. So we'll just get touch on a few notes from there um, as uh, some of the minor league guys in quote-unquote non-roster invitees that I don't think they're officially allowed to be called that yet um, are getting some workouts in um, down at West Palm Beach. Amy, how are you? Good to see you. We're matching once again. I like that shirt. Yeah, we are. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Um, I'm excited to wear short sleeves because we finally have what feels like baseball weather. The sun is out. Tomorrow might be a completely different story, but today we're going to enjoy it while we can. And there's minor league spring training going on down in Florida, so it feels like a breath of fresh air. We're getting one step closer to baseball starting. We hope. We hope. Yeah. So <laughs> um, let's get into it just uh, in terms of the, the small kind of um, housekeeping things we want to get in touch on. Do you want to start with minor league camp first or you want to start with the top 100 prospects from Fangraphs? We first? can start with minor league camp. All right. So minor league camp underway at uh, the Nationals compound at West Palm Beach, Florida. Um, you know, they these are all players that are not on the 40-man roster, so they are allowed to be there and, and use the facilities. Um, and this is around the time minor league camp usually starts, about a week after the major league camp usually starts. The only kind of weird nuance about this, Amy, is obviously the major league players aren't there yet. Mm-hmm. Secondly, you know, this kind of impacts some of the guys that we would have expected to be uh, non-roster invitees or like major or minor league deals with... Um, with uh, invites to Major League Spring Training, guys like Cade Cavalli, Jackson Rutledge, um, Cole Henry, those are guys that probably would have gotten that non-roster invitee, get a couple workouts in with the Major League Club like they did last year. Uh, we're seeing, if you're watching live, you're seeing some highlights of Cade right now getting under, uh, getting his warm-ups from last year. Um, and then, of course, also some of the guys that the Nationals signed uh, to veteran minor league deals with invites to Spring mm-hmm. Training, guys like D. Strange Gordon, Michael Franco, um, those guys would have been reporting uh, down there as well. I think I saw Jesse Doherty of the Washington Post kind of report that they're expected to be there um, sometime this week. So the only kind of, I, not necessarily a problem because you're, you're glad to get their, their season's getting underway, Amy, but the only kind of weird thing I would say is that they're not getting the experience, this is being the younger guys and non-roster invitees, that they would be getting mm-hmm. if the major league guys were there. We talked a lot about last year how Kate Cavalli and Jackson Rutledge specifically being able to train every single day with, of course, you know, Max Scherzer's not there, but like guys like Steven Strasburg, Patrick Corbin, right. uh, some of the veteran guys. And, you know, who knows the how much they, they pick up and the value of that experience for these guys are. And they're not getting that this year. I just wonder how the Nationals are going to kind of approach that once the lockout ends and the major league guys report. Right, exactly. 
exactly. It's weird. And they're not getting the full experience that they would had it be a, a, a regular spring training. But the good thing is that regardless, they're there. It was like with the pandemic, uh, the, you know, the major leaguers got to play. You know, the major league season went on, but the minor leagues didn't. And those guys lost out on a full season. In this case, with the lockout, the minor yeah. league guys get to play. So and, it's, and it's the major league guys that are at home uh, waiting for their to get down there to West Palm. So it's a little bit weird, but at the end of the day, I'm just happy that these guys are there. They get to be out on the field, whether it's the whole experience or not so far. Yeah, I mean, of course, a lot depends on, uh, you know, the new CBA, um, how a spring train is going to look once mm -hmm. the lockout is over. But, you know, I I'd be curious to ask either Mike Rizzo or Davey Martinez how they plan on handling that because, you know, if it's a condensed spring training, how much benefit – I mean, you're, they're going to need to give – the major league guys more reps than normal because it's going to be shorter to get ready for spring training. That's taking away the reps that some of these minor league guys would have gotten during a normal spring training as a non-roster invitee. Right. And so they're, they voted to extend spring training. Does that start next year? Uh, I'm not exactly sure year? because the, obviously the season's going to be delayed already with, you know, hopefully well, not, but yeah, hopefully yeah. Not, but you know, spring training was supposed to start what a week ago, yeah. over a week ago at this point. So, right. So the deadline for opening day to start, will be starting spring right. training less than a week from now, uh, March 1st. If they don't get that, then we know opening day we push back right. to compensate. I think Robert Rob Manfred said that the, the minimum they need for a, a, a spring training to start or, or a, for a spring training is about four weeks. Right. Um, that's a condensed down from usually the six to seven-ish weeks that it, uh, a normal spring training camp is. So, yeah, I mean, it's just going to be a shorter amount of time. They're going to need veteran guys to warm up, um, and that's going to take away some of, like, the spring training game reps that we saw Kate Cavalli take last mm -hmm. year. And, you know, we know he's not going to break camp with the team, but it, you would have liked to see him get some of those reps, um, right. which is kind of an unfortunate. But they're there. They're working mm -hmm. out now. And at least uh, give Steven Strasburg a little bit more time. I mean, I know he started throwing, but was supposed to start throwing in November-ish, yeah. coming back from that injury, birth yeah. surgery. But And that's a positive, too, I guess. And we'll, we'll talk about more about that once the lockout's over. But, like, we've seen in the past, obviously 2020, uh, that shorter spring trainings are bad for pitchers. Mm -hmm. and they're, they're not safe, really. You've seen a lot of injuries and a lot of guys' numbers um, get inflated uh, because they're just not, their arms aren't as prepared for a normal, a normal season like you would have. But luckily, these younger guys, they're getting ready for their season. Their season should carry on as normal, um, not being a part of the Major League Baseball Players Association. So we should see minor league baseball uh, coming forward. So stick tuned, stay tuned for that. Uh, we'll bring you as much coverage as we can uh, from minor league camp down in West Palm Beach. Speaking of the minor leagues, let's go on to the fan graphs. They just released their top 100 list of prospects this morning. Kind of odd. Amy, in that we have so many outlets now that focus on uh, minor league t players and prospects, and there's so many different rankings, so many, mm -hmm. you know, what um, certain scouts value over others. And the Nationals only have three players in the top 100 on fan graphs, and they even did like an extra, like the next best 15. Right. And the Nationals didn't have any in the top 115 on fan graphs. Kay Cavalli comes at number 74. Cole Henry comes at number 82 and Brady House sneaks in at number 98. Your initial thoughts on the three guys that get into Fangraph's top 100 prospect I list. I mean, I think these are the three guys, if any, we would expect to be on that list. And it's good to see any nationals at all after, you know, we're coming two years off of when they were ranked the worst farm system in all of baseball. Uh, so to get any guys on that list, I think, is a good sign for the nationals. And these are the three you would expect. And I think it's... Also should be noted that guys like Caber Ruiz, Josiah Gray, Riley Adams, and Tres Barrera all graduated last year uh, because of the new rookie 
rules mm-hmm. um, on Fangraphs as well. So they're not included on this list, but they are included on their graduates list. If you go to Fangraphs.com and check that out. Um, I, someone mentioned on Twitter, I got to give him a shout out because it was a good thought. I said, uh, Jay Flan uh, mentioned me on Twitter. It's so weird how varied rankings can be. MOB Pipeline has Cavalli 39 and Brady House 54. Keith Law of The Athletic has House 46 and Cavalli 48. And neither of them have Cole Henry. And now we've right. seen kind of all three been, been a mixed bag of pretty high, pretty low, not included at all. So it is just kind of bizarre how some of these uh, outlets just rank these players in different ways and, and have what they value over in terms of their prospect rankings. Exactly. And that just goes to show you how good of a year Cole Henry had. I mean, yeah. he's r- risen up those rankings. He had a 188 ERA in 13 innings, nine appearances in high A uh, in 2021. So good for him. Cole Henry rising up the ranks. I think that's a good sign for the Nationals and their pitching depth. Uh, they're trying to, you know, build that build from within their pitching. So that's good news. Their MLB pipeline, Cavalli, of course, comes in at number one, Brady House number two, and Cole Henry number seven in their top 30 ranks of Nationals prospects. So, yeah, kind of that group of guys that you would see uh, being included in that top 100. And, again, we're kind of waiting for other outlets top 20. Like, this is um, uh, MLB Pipeline's 2020 rankings for the Nationals top 30. Right. We expect that to change uh, as the season gets underway. So we'll be keeping an eye on that and, of course, bringing you all that coverage of uh, the minor leagues and, and the top Nationals prospects because they are the future. They're kind of the focus now for the next couple of years um, as, as this team goes under a, a complete rebuild and tries to get back into competition within a couple of years. Um, all right, let's move back up to the Major League team. I mean, we talked a lot about last week, of course, the Ryan Zimmerman retirement, what that meant for him, and the future of the Nationals. What we really didn't get into, Amy, though, is we talked a, lo- a little bit about who's going to back up Josh Bell at first base now that Ryan Zimmerman is. But now with the also the universal DH, we talked about that being maybe a factor if Zimmerman decided to come back, but we didn't really talk about how the Nationals would fill that role. And I thought about, first and foremost, that position. We talked a little bit about the backup first baseman and maybe any other positions that the Nationals might need to fill on the major league roster and where they could target um, um, those positions in free agency. Because like I said at the top of the show, I don't know about you. I'm kind of expecting a similar flurry of free agent signings right when the lockout ends, like we saw right before the lockouts began late November, early December, just because players are going to want to know where they're reporting. Because I, I, the way we're, I'm expecting this to go down, there's going to be a new CBA. Players are being expected to report the very next day. It's going to all happen very, very mm-hmm. quickly. So players gonna to, are going to yeah. want to know where they're supposed to go um, and as soon as possible so they can start their spring training. Um, so... I don't expect the Nationals to be one of those teams to be signing the top-tier guys. And like we've said before on the show, they have been that team for so long. So it's going to be weird when you're seeing guys like Carlos Correa, Trevor Story start and signing major deals, and the Nationals aren't involved in those conversations, those discussions at all. So I'm expecting one wave of signings to happen, and then you're going to see the Nationals starting picking full left, left over to kind of plug uh, the holes on their roster. What do you think? Yeah, exactly. There's going to be a big flurry of moves, and the Nationals aren't necessarily going to be a part of it. And in a way, it's probably a little bit of a relief for the Nationals. You know, this lockout is probably tough for teams that are going after these top free agents and the market is so weird right now and there's such a holdout so it's probably a little bit of a relief that they don't have to be 
right in there going after these guys because everything's going to happen super, super quick. Um, I think at the top of their list is that backup first baseman because realistically they don't have anybody in-house right now um, that can fill that position to back up Josh Bell there at first base. And then, of course, now that there's a universal DH, that adds another layer. I don't think that the Nationals are going to go after a big bat to fill that DH spot either. I think it'll be more of a, a rotating role uh, within the team, give guys days off. But uh, that'll be, you know, kind of you just have to wait and see. But as far as the first baseman, I think that's the first thing on their priority list as soon as the lockout ends um, and might be one of the only moves that you see the Nationals make. So let's kind of combine those two topics real quick because I, this is how I see this going, Amy. And I agree with you. I think they're going to need to – I think they'll the way they'll approach it is signing a kind of versatile first mm-hmm. baseman in situation in that – you know, it's not a guy that's going to play across the diamond or across the infield, whatever you want to. I, I think it's more going to be, it's going to be someone who can provide backup first baseman play, who is a natural first baseman, but can also fill in that DH role on a daily basis. And only emerge oh, when Josh Bell needs a day off, will he maybe, if they could switch or Josh Bell just doesn't play that day and he'll fill exactly. the first base role and someone else will fill the DH role. You look a lot you look a lot at the roster and some of the guys that they signed to minor league deals and if you if if we just go on the assumption that these guys these veterans uh d strange gordon michael franco make mm-hmm. the team i think we could see kind of a dh by platoon type thing where you, you use matchups they sign that backup first baseman power hitting guy who can play the position in the field when necessary um and then just based on matchups who's feeling what who's you know needs a day off uh david martinez will kind of use a revolving door in that dh but i think that's just how the roster is constructed right now and like we said we're not they're not we're not expecting them to be too active on that first wave of big name signing so i don't expect them to go get like a power pure dh guy like a nelson cruz to fill that role also keep in mind that 14 other national league teams are now looking for dhs as well true yeah that just doesn't make sense when you have guys in and riley adams is another one that can fill that dh role it's a great way to get his bat in the lineup when he isn't catching um i know there's been some talk about moving him to first base and him backing up josh bell at first base i don't think that's realistic you want to keep him behind the plate uh for as long as you can and i think he's you know going to be caber ruiz's number two guy there behind the plate but that's a great way to get him in the lineup uh when he's not catching so i mean as far as in that first base position do you think mike ford is the most likely of options to bring him back i i think so because like we talked about before he has you know a recent connection to the team um he played what was it 30 something games with rochester um uh, before the season ended or before he opted out. Uh, no, he was non-tendered the, in this offseason. So, yeah, I think that's a very obvious possible reunion. No harm, no foul there. Bring him back on a minor league deal. Let him uh, participate in camp, play in a couple games. And if he hits well, great. I mean, he's been essentially a backup first baseman his entire major league career. So we know he can do the position. He can fill in that DH role. Um but I, I would expect them to look elsewhere, too, and, and other options. I mean, we're going to see, like, if you look about the first baseman, we talked about this before. I wrote about it on MassInSports.com. The free agent first baseman class, you're not going to be in uh, the line of Freddie Freeman, Anthony Rizzo, even Brad Miller. Uh, those are your top three guys at first base. You're looking down more like the Ronald Guzman, Danny Santana. And then I even threw Todd Frazier in there, which we kind of touched on, I think, a little bit last week mm-hmm. um, and what he's been up to. And the more and more I think about it, the more Frazier kind of makes sense to me if he decides to play. Um, and one of those things where, like, if he expects a major league deal, doesn't get it, you can have him report, give him a shot, 
if he has nothing left, okay, then you just kind of cut ties and, and that's it. Um, I, I would expect the Nationals to maybe bring in a handful of guys just to compete. And look, we're thinking about here's the other thing to think about with the in terms of the lockout and a possibly shortened spring training, guys are there's going to be a big group of big name guys, I think, that are going to be left off of teams. Um, and, and because they're a little bit older, mm-hmm. teams might not be willing to take a risk on them, knowing that they're going to have a shortened spring training and get their bodies ready. There might be a good crop of first baseman DH types, versatile types that the Nationals could pick from and just bring in to give them a tryout. And if they make it, great. If they don't, it's not really it's not really a big issue. Right. And I think you're absolutely right about that. And Todd Frazier, you know, one of the the lesser I won't say he's farther down on this list of first basemen, but that's exactly the type veteran guy that you're taking a chance on. You hope he has a bounce back year. You know, you have that extra bat in the lineup. It just kind of makes sense. And I also think another name to think about to be tossed around. And I, I this actually came up uh, today because I saw it on the athletic.com is 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 Matt Carpenter. I think that's an interesting name. A guy who really struggled last year, past couple of years actually, with the Cardinals. We know how great he's been for so long of his career. He's, of course, shifted over to first base right now. He's a free agent out there. That's someone, the reason I saw it, because the Athletic had a piece on how he's trying to reinvent his swing and get back to being a productive player. That's someone who might just be looking for a chance. I mean, if you get half of what Matt Carpenter was, you know, in the prime of his career, great. And then that maybe even someone you can flip at the deadline. But if not, I mean, he he's already been kind of cast off by the Cardinals. He's probably going to be just kind of an older f- floater around the free agent market. Maybe someone who might get overlooked because he's had a couple of bad years that you bring in and just give a tryout. Right, to. exactly. I mean, hit under 200 the last two seasons. And it's been so. a tough going for him. Yeah, it has been, but that's exactly the type of player, you know, veteran presence, hoping to have a bounce back year. Uh, and you just kind of take a chance. And he's looking for that mutually as well. So that could be a good fit. Um, it's just... The bat. Yeah. <laughs> the bat. And, I mean, but it's the same thing with all these guys we're talking about. Mike yeah. Ford would have to have a bounce back here. He really struggled in the games he played at the major league level. You know, the yeah. last time he saw at bats with the Yankees, yeah. all of these guys we're talking about, you're hoping can bounce back. And I think like that's kind of like the point of the conversation. This is that's the group of players the Nationals yeah. are going to be looking at. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just the fact of the matter. I think uh, like not going to be the Freemans, the Rizzos. It's going to be guys that are looking trying to make a name of themselves. And the Nationals provide a good opportunity for these guys to do that because you're there's not a lot of expectations here a club that's not expected to compete and win a bunch but somewhere where you would get major league playing time and could possibly be a trade ship at the deadline um and with now with the universal dh that opens up more playing opportunities if you were just strictly going to be a bet that's great if not you can probably play the field here and there when needed when josh bell needs a day off um, or, or, you know, maybe Josh Bell needs a DH and you need to play first base for a day, whatever it may be. So that's an interesting way to look at it in that, yeah, it's not really attractive to come to the Nationals to come win it, but it's, it's a place to come reinvent your career and try to get a jump start and maybe get uh, traded to a contender in July And if you're trying to chase a ring. Right, because in all reality, whoever gets this job is a placeholder yeah. you know he, he they're he, they're a placeholder you hope that they have a good first half of the season they could become a trade chip you know that's the hope for josh bell is that by the trade deadline he is a trade chip so whoever it is is really a placeholder so it's these are the names that we're talking about when we're talking about the a backup first baseman yeah. but i think that is number one on their 
as soon as the lockout ends, that's yeah. number one on their list because that's the one position that they actually have to fill. Another unfortunate part about this lockout, and we know we don't know for sure if this kind of played a role in Zimmerman's decision, but there have been reports recently um, over the last week or so that you know this lockout and, and you know lack of clarity on what's going to happen has kind of made a decision easier for guys to retire as opposed to try to give it one more go. And that's, you know, I mean, we talked about there's over 100 guys still available to be signed as free agents, but it's shrinking the market a little bit because mm-hmm. there's less bats, less arms, whatever position sure. they take um, out there that could be signing because guys are being like, you know what, I don't want to wait out and put up with this. I'm just going to retire. I'm good. Um, so that's another factor into this too. You know, I'm not saying that other team, other players are, you know, just going to call it quits right now because of it, but it, it's it could certainly play a factor, as, as especially the longer this kind of carries on. Um, and there's less clarity about what's going to happen with mm-hmm. the league. You know, if I'm kind of you know, a Matt Carpenter type, I mean, I know we now know he's trying to reinvent his swing and get back in it. But, you know, what if this just carries on? He's like, you know, what? it's just not worth it. I'm, I'm just going to call yeah. it quits. I have my World Series championship. I, I played a great career in St. Louis. I'm, you know, my 13 could possibly be retired there. I'm just going to call it a day. So that's another aspect to think about it, too, is that the longer this drags out, in that sense, that's possibly the market shortens right. or and, it gets smaller. Yeah, mm-hmm, And you have to get both sides of it. It makes sense why they're going to wait it out. You know, now that there's a, a DH in the National League, some of those guys can slide into that role. They don't have to play the field. Uh, but you can also get the other side of it where it's like, why? You know, yeah. like I had my time. Why come back? You know, just make my my career numbers even worse than they yeah. already are. So you see both sides of it. Uh, Renee commented, could Schwarber come back as a big bat? And I've seen his name often. You know they, depending on how the outfield shakes out, could need a left fielder. Um, I think that's probably unrealistic, mm-hmm. but it's an option. You never know. It is an option, and we know how much Kyle liked being here in D.C. We know how much he meshed with the guys that – are still around. I mean, obviously, there's a handful of guys that are no longer with the Nationals after the trade deadline, Kyle being included in that. But it makes sense on like a personal level. level on a professional level, maybe not so much for Kyle because, mm-hmm. you know, he has a World Series ring, clearly. You know, he had a great start to last season, um, well, especially that June before getting hurt, and that kind of put a damper on his season. He got traded to a competitor team. Played in the playoffs. I mean, we, we've seen him. He still can play in the play. He adds something to the playoffs, right. especially with the universal DH. I just expect him to go immediately to a, com, uh, a contender uh, to try to go win another World Series. Not saying that, you know, the Nationals are going to be far from it, but mm-hmm. I mean, they're not expected to be in that conversation this year. So I would expect him to go. I mean, it's just unlikely. Reunions yeah, like yeah. that happen so not very often. It's just hard to imagine that Kyle would do that. Um, even if, and, and on the first side that the Nationals would offer him what he's going to command, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, so it's just, ideally, I know fans would love that. I just don't think it's going to, a likely situation that's going to pan out. Right. So moving on to the outfield, do you see them signing a left fielder? Do you, or do you think, you know, Victor has a good spring training? The most likely scenario is that Lane Thomas is in left field opening day and Victor's in center. That might be the most likely scenario. I would hope. Right. I mean, we've talked a lot about how we want to see Victor Robles come back and, and, and perform well. I just think the outfielder infield first, middle infield, not including first base, um, along with third base. That's where the Nationals have their most depth right now with all the uh, signings before the lockout and, and minor league deals that they hand out outfield. I mean, I'm looking at the 40 man right now. You obviously have Juan Soto and right. You have 
either Lane Thomas or Victor in center. And if Victor, if it's Victor, then you have Lane in left. But then you also have Andrew Stevenson, Yadiel Hernandez, and now Donovan Casey on the 40-man. I just expect that to be not a high a priority for the outfield for to, to fill. I, I think the Nationals will skip over infield, skip over outfield, maybe look at more pitching. I've always thought that they're going to add some kind of veteran catcher in some capacity one way or the other. Uh, I think the outfield might be set if you're counting on, but you're counting on Victor Robles to have a bounce back here. Yeah, see, that's the thing for me is Yadiel Hernandez nor Andrew Stevenson have proven that they can be everyday players out there. I mean, Andrew Stevenson simply doesn't hit when he starts games off the bench. He can hit. He's one of the best pinch hitters in all of baseball, Uh, but he he just simply doesn't hit when he starts. And Yadiel, same thing, hasn't really proven himself as the true starting left fielder, but you are banking um, in this this scenario on Victor having a bounce back year, and that's a guy who hit 203 last year uh, with a 295 slugging percentage. So... And you know he finished the, the year in AAA. I mean, I, I think that's best-case scenario, that you have Lane Thomas in left and you have Victor in center, especially after Lane proved what he can do um, a, after the trade deadline when he came to the Nationals last year. But that's a big if. But given given the options, knowing that you probably will have Donovan Casey at some point in this season, um, y- you have some options. And I don't think that there, that's – at the top of their priority list at all. I don't think you're going to see them sign an outfield. And I think this is where DH comes back into play too because you could use Yadiel or Andrew Stevenson or we'll see what Donovan Casey becomes as a DH and as part of that revolving door that I talked about, a power of that, that platoon or matchups. You know, if you got a guy that's throwing up their right hand and that gets crushed by lefties, you can probably expect Yadiel or Andrew Stevenson to be in that lineup that day. And we saw Yadiel play DH, or not play, but, you know, be the DH a lot in his short amount of time at the end of 2020 in that shortened season, that was his primary role, not playing so much in the, in the outfield. So I think that adds to their value to the roster. So I don't think the the nationals will be too keen on going, finding replacements for them uh, because they do add uh, that kind of um, obviously bench depth and outfield depth defensively, but can also play in that DH role uh, or a part of that rotation if if they absolutely need it. So I, I think that, Outfield could be set for right now. Um, and, you, uh, you know, depends who gets picked up, right? I mean, we're, we can talk, of, you know, we don't have to talk too much about the um, the outfield free agent class right now because we don't expect it to happen. But what if no one gets really picked up? Mm-hmm. I mean, what if for whatever reason there's just a lot of guys left over and those guys start looking for minor league deals with invites to spring yeah. training? Then you can, all right, take a shot on somebody and maybe they will outperform one of these guys. So, yeah, Kyle Schwarber's on that list. I Again, I don't, I don't see that a reunion going on. Nick Castellanos is a, is a guy that fills both of those roles, right? Left field and DH. Um, but he's going to be commanding a lot of money. And then Michael Conforto has already been referenced as possibly a target for the Mets to resign with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, soon. I think Buck Showalter let that slip a little bit uh, during their <laughs> minor league camp earlier this week. So, yeah, it's just not a lot of the top guys of it. And we've seen a lot of guys sign already. You know, like that first wave, Chris Taylor is a big name that was off the list. Starling Marte. Uh, so it's going to be, uh, I think, a lot of the guys right below Michael Conforto and that on this kind of list that might be left over for the Nats to pick. Mm-hmm, yep, and then I agree with you as far as the infield goes. I mean, signing Cesar Hernandez to a $4 million deal, I think that pretty much secures that he's going to be starting at second base. They got Alcides Escobar back, probably starting at shortstop. Then, of course, you have Luis Garcia in that mix. You have Carter Keboom in that mix. And then D. Strange Gordon that they signed to a minor league deal this offseason and Michael Franco as mm-hmm. well. So yep. it's kind of a wide-open competition there is the infield, but 
there's a lot of guys on that yeah. list. And I think that's kind of how it's going to stay. Yeah. A little bit of a log jam right there, but mm-hmm. that's a good thing, right? right? I mean, you're, you, we talked about, we, you bring in strange Gordon and Franco to kind of push Garcia and Kiboom. And if they can't do it, then you've got established veterans who can, mm-hmm. um, or you're hoping that they can. Um, and then those guys possibly become trade ships. So um, I think you're right. I think aside from first base, they're set on the infield uh, pretty pretty firmly because they got some depth right there. Do you think Luis Garcia is going to be working at shortstop in spring training? Or yeah. second? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's a, which I don't love that, but just because we you know saw him get some time th- there at the at end s- of the yeah, yeah he is a, a natural shortstop. We saw him get some time there at the end of the last regular season. He didn't do so well. I mean, I mean, yeah, he, he was better. He showed sec- flashes, but I feel there was more negatives than positives there. And, and if I mean, it depends. Do the Nationals want? I mean, you're, you're right. I think Cesar Hernandez kind of secures him at second base, so he's gonna beat out more like more likely than not Luis Garcia at that. So there's not really a position for Luis other than fighting Escobar for shortstop um, and maybe even D strange Gordon and Michael Franco depends where they want to situate those guys. Um, But I expect probably Franco get a lot more reps at third base. He'll be the main competition for Carter Keboom, but um, definitely a lot more options there in the infield as far as the outfield going into spring training. My guess is you'll see Luis Garcia be both. Um, both, Yeah. yeah. And and if it's just so clear that he's not going to beat out Hernandez at second, then it's going to be him and Escobar Mm -hmm. at, at short. And, um, that's a, still a tough matchup for, for Luis Garcia, but, you know, if, if you're going to make the roster, that's that's who you have to beat out. Mm-hmm. Um, before we get to the pitchers, let's go behind the plate real quick. Catchers, because we've briefly touched about this. You, you mentioned Riley Adams possibly being able to play that DH role as well, but also being the main catcher. We kind of put a kibosh on him being a backup first baseman last week. Um do you? I really do expect them, and I think it's going to be in, a, in the minor league variety, I expect them still to bring in some kind of veteran catcher to at least mentor these guys, if not push for competition. I still think your opening day catchers are going to be Cabo Ruiz and Riley Adams, but I still believe you'll hear, you'll see a name that you're familiar with come into national spring training uh, to bring in some kind of veteran presence in that locker room and behind the play. For those yeah, I, I agree with you. And I've kind of said that, that all along too. I don't know why the farther we get, you know, closer to spring training, the less likely I see that. Like I can kind of see them going with just Caber Ruiz, Riley Adams, and Trace Barrera. Mm-hmm. But that veteran presence is so important with these young catchers that haven't even caught a full major league season yet. Right. Um, I could see I could see them going as is, but I think it would be valuable and only enhance the development of these young catchers if they brought in somebody. And like, there's a handful of names out there that you could bring in. And, and and we talked about this too. A lot of guys that already have uh, connections to the Nationals. I mean, you look at guys like uh, Jose Lobaton, Wilson Ramos out there. I don't expect Kurt Suzuki to come back to, to D.C., but he's a name that's still out there. Um, that's a veteran presence. Um, Austin Romine. Austin Romine. Um, you know, you're looking at Robinson Chirinos, guys like that, probably not. They're looking for starting spots. Mm-hmm. Um, but... You know, I, I just, I always, I always say, because Mike Rizzo always says that he loves competition in camp. He's going to bring in somebody to push these guys a little bit. You know, it does them really no good them being K. Bear Ruiz and Riley Adams, knowing that they had the jobs at the beginning. Good Have point. someone right behind them a little bit to kind of light the fire and, and, and get them going. And, and But you're also pointing and making good suggestions and helping them out. I mean, because, you know, the coaches staff can only do so much. It's like having another coach out there if you have that veteran presence. And I think there's going to see a lot of uh, catchers still kind of looking for uh, spots as 
that first wave of free agent signings happens. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, I think there's going to yeah, still yeah. be a lot more catchers still left over. Yeah, especially these type of guys that we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, these older, you know? I mean, it's 38, 37, 37, 34, 32, 39. I mean, there's a lot of veteran guys on this name. And you see that all list. the time, like catchers at the tail end of their careers. Yeah. And, you know, they're they're almost act more as coaches in that role than they do as, you know, expecting to catch, you know, every so often. It's definitely yeah. going to be Caber Ruiz and Riley Adams. But, you know, to have that third guy that acts almost as a coach, I think would be really beneficial. So I, I, I can see them not doing it. But like you said, I can I can I've kind of said all along they should. Yeah, they should. Yeah, I think so too. Um, so let's go from behind the plate to the mound real quick to kind of wrap up this conversation. I think that um, the, the rotation as is could work. I still think, like we saw with John Lester last year, I mean, that was a way bigger deal than what this is going to be. But I still think you bring in a veteran pitcher to kind of compete for that fifth starter spot. We're talking about Steven Strasburg, Patrick Corbin, Josiah Gray, probably Joe Ross, and then are you really going to throw out Eric Fetty as the fifth starter again? I mean, if anything, he was durable last year except for that COVID issue, but, you know, he had a handful of really good starts, but mostly really kind of struggles of starts, and I I think that the Nationals are going to bring in a veteran guy who has has a proven track record that will maybe be a little competition and could possibly yeah. fill that fifth starter spot. Yeah, I'm with you. You definitely, I mean, Fetty has never really proven himself to be able to handle that fifth starter role ever. Um, and Joe Ross even right now is kind of still a maybe. I mean, he had that, excuse me, <laughs> that, uh, I'm like joking. <laughs> Getting choked up by Joe yeah. Ross. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, he, you know, he had that elbow injury that shut down his season last year, like could end up needing that second Tommy John. So he's really an if you really hope he's healthy come spring training, but he, he's still an if. And then, of course, you have guys like Paulo Espino, who you could put in that fifth starter role. Josh Rogers, who had six pretty good starts at the end of last season. I could see, you know, him doing that, but I think their best case scenario is that they go out and get somebody that they're sure can fill that role. Did you say Paulo Espino? Yes. Yeah. So yeah. those are guys to the end there. But I mean, I'm looking at this list provided by MOV.com uh, of free agent starting pitchers, and it is extensive. And mm-hmm. again, a lot there's of guys options. that are older 34, 35, 35, 31. I mean, there's more often than not, they're over 30. So these are going to be guys, you go to the top of that list, these guys like Carlos Rondon, uh, Clayton Kershaw, Zach Greinke, those guys are going to get obviously major contracts, deals, and Kershaw's case if he wants to even come back. Um, but then you scroll down the list and there's just a bunch of names that you could possibly see needing a bounce back or just needing somewhere to, mm-hmm. you know, could become a trade chip or just could be, you know, I want to keep playing, keep pitching. The risk is though, and this also applies to when we move over to relievers, is like I said, it's just short and spring training, especially with the older guys, is just always tougher on on a pitcher than and then uh, a position player, just because it takes. This is why pitchers and catchers report before position players traditionally. Mm-hmm. They just need that little extra time to get their arm ramped up. Uh, I know they're all working out on their own, but it's not the same as as a camp. So um, you know there is going to be more of a risk when terms of signing these pitchers, especially the older ones, the less proven ones, not with the great numbers, uh, than some of the higher top big yeah. name guys. And that's a good point. Is it worth that risk, or should you just go with a guy like Josh Rogers, who proved yeah. himself at the end of last season? You know what he can do. You already have him. You know, why Why go after somebody that is going to be kind of hard to project yeah. given a short and spring training? And you're expecting 
a Cavalli to come up at some point, mm-hmm. sometime this year, uh, to kind of fill maybe that fifth starter role. Hopefully for multiple starts, months, weeks, um, years, <laughs> definitely years, <laughs> definitely hopeful years. Um, so yeah, I mean, you know, we can throw up the relief graphic as well and, and talk about some of the names on there. I mean, it's just a lot of these guys are just you know are are either already signed or just on the uh, you know on the higher echelon of, of relief pitchers that are going to be signed first once the lockout is lift. But keep in mind too, though, that, you know, Mike Rizzo has a pretty long history, a uh, good history of bringing in older veteran relievers to spring training and just giving them a shot. Um, because he always says you can never have enough pitching. You might as well bring in everybody you can. And who knows, they can break um, uh, the, the roster. We talked about that's how Matt Albers had that one fantastic year in DC. He got that chance in spring training and came up um, and, you know, yep. had a fantastic season. Um, and, you know, again, Kenley Jansen, uh, Colin McHugh, these guys are not going to be guys that you see the Nationals go after. It's going to be a lot of other names. Uh, could a, re- a reunion with Tyler Clippard happen? Or, I mean, I don't think they'll go after Trevor Rosenthal, even though he somehow had a reunion. But there's a lot of names on this list that have Nationals connections mm-hmm. because that's what the Nationals do, bring in older yep. veterans and get them a shot. And that's, I mean, it's hard to do. We were talking about how it's hard to to project some of these, uh, the bounce back of some of these starting pitchers, uh, but it's even harder with relievers. And those guys that you just saw on your screen, the top guys on this list, they're a pretty sure thing. But the Nationals aren't going after those types of guys. They're going guys at the bottom of the list. And it, is it beneficial to do that or just go with what you have? You yeah. Because you have a, a lot of guys that are competing for, for roles in this bullpen. So it's kind of hard to project. Um, but you, I could totally see them bringing in some guys and just giving them a shot. You know, go out there and compete for a role in this bullpen. Because right now, really, the only sure things they have are rainy I mean, and I'm saying sure things. Sure being like they'll be on the roster. <laughs> yeah, right. Being Rainey, Finnegan, and Harris, really. Um, you saw glimpses of Mason Thompson, Andres Machado. Um, I think those guys will all be competing for spots in this bullpen. Austin Both, of course. Um, but there's not a whole lot of sure things. So the bullpen's kind of wide open right now. Yeah, they acquired Francisco Perez before, uh, before yep. the lockout as well. So he'll be another left-handed arm in that bullpen. We talked about him being kind of essential because it you know sam clay was another him and sam clay are like pretty much gonna be the only main lefties Mm -hmm. out of this pen right now as it stands because i mean that's just the way it's constructed and you're gonna need someone else to come up and and because josh rogers is a starter seth romero on the 40-man roster as a starter his future is uncertain with the team as is so there might be more of a market for left-handed relievers uh, for the Nationals in terms of adding just lefties to the pen, but I'm sure they'll Rizzo will take a look at anybody uh, if, if they're kind of just looking for a chance. Right. I feel like we're always talking about a lack of lefties in this bullpen. Yeah, it's been a long. I mean, you know, with the lack of Doolittle, been a few. Yep. It's been. I mean, because he was always the sure thing, but you know, he's obviously no longer here, so they haven't been able to fill that lefty-handed reliever spot mm-hmm. since Doolittle left. And in a traditional like, this is your lefty guy. Mm-hmm. Um, um, you haven't really had that since Doolittle, Oliver Perez years ago, stuff like that. So uh, it is a condensed bullpen in that there are a lot of names out there. It's just you don't have the reliable guys that you would wish. I mean, this bullpen's going to be talking about it. It's going to be a struggle this year. It's not going to be pretty more often than not um, this year for the bullpen. So bringing in a veteran presence could help because right now it's really only 
uh, Will Harris back there. Right. I mean, the bullpen finished with an ERA over five, second worst in the majors. Mm. Uh, they blew uh, MLB high, 36 saves. Uh, they're responsible for 42 losses. That's the most in MLB history. Um, so we... I guess it, I could see where it would be a little bit frustrating if they don't bring any bullpen help given those numbers, but you're kind of going into this year knowing that it's, there's going to be a lot of guys competing, trying to come up. You're going to see, you know, a fluctuation of guys up from the minors, you know, getting their shot. Uh, so I guess you're kind of going in with that mindset, but a veteran presence, maybe a veteran lefty yeah. could really help this yeah. bullpen. I, and I think At least guide the ship. <laughs> I think it will be... I mean, I don't want to tell Rizzo how to do his job because I know he's listening, but I, I, I think it would be kind of almost irresponsible not to at least try one of these yeah. veterans guys out because, like you said, it was just so bad last year and not addressing that in any way other than Francisco Perez um, th th uh, this past off season or I guess in November, then it's just kind of, you can't go back into the season the way it is. I right. mean, it's just, we know what we have right here. You hope that some guys like, like a Tanner Rainey has a bounce back year. It looks more like 2020 than 2021, but that's never a, a, a sure thing. So you just bringing and other guys with competition, like he says, it always helps. And having like a tanking, terrible bullpen makes it having a rebuilding team like even worse. Yeah. Like, you know, if there's games where they're at least in it and then the bullpen is blowing it every night, like that kind of is going to hurt morale when morale is yeah. already going to probably be low this season, yeah. especially for young pitchers like, you know, Josiah Gray, you're talking about Kate Cavalli coming up when the bullpen is sh struggling, that makes the season a whole lot longer. And it's tough on those, those young starting pitchers. And, and yeah, I was going to say, it's tough on the starting pitchers uh, as well. And we heard uh, last year that they said so as much, that it is tough, you know, because there's a lot of expected of you on your start day to go deep into the game. Mm -hmm. And when you can, you feel bad because, one, you left your team down, but, two, you're putting your bullpen in a bad position, and then you also kind of are not expecting them to get the job done. Right. So it is a tough situation for the starters as well when the bullpen is this bad. So, again, I feel like it's, it, it's something you have to at least try to address. Again, not a big flashy name. Doesn't have to be like the like um, we saw with Brad Hand last year. You know, going after a guy like that, but just another arm in that that will you know either help the younger arms as competition or become a vital piece of your bullpen. So Davey Martinez has someone to follow back on um, when things start going awry. Yeah, and, it, and so you don't, at least gives you some more options so you're not relying on the same guys every night. Yeah. Like, you know, they had to put Finnegan in that closing role and he really shouldn't have been in that role. Right. So, yep. you know, and then at, by the end of the season, he's fatigued. He has, a, you know, a downfall. So you don't want to see that that happens. So at least somebody to bring in that gives you an, another option out of the bullpen so you're not relying on the same guys getting him hurt. Jim Ward asking on, uh, 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 excuse me, YouTube, any pitchers from the <laughs> yeah, I am. any pitchers from the minors they drafted the last few years to have a shot to make the club? Go back and check out our podcast from a couple weeks ago. We did two weeks, uh, ago, yep. two weeks ago previews on. We did one on the pitchers. We did one on position players projecting when they would project uh, to debut with the Nationals. So go check that one out. We'll have a full break. We have a full breakdown of the guys on that podcast. That was a couple weeks ago. Um, and then also um, someone asking on Facebook, Demario. You may have asked us on another podcast, but what do you think about Soto's offer? We do have that on another podcast. Just last week, we talked about that at the top of the show, so you can go watch that on Facebook, YouTube, or check out the podcast wherever you get podcasts. Um, all right, Amy, any other 
think that's pressing it. needs right now. I think that's it. But I just want to get going. Just kind of want to get going. Yeah. Well, minor league camp is underway, so we have hopefully some updates from on that front over the next week or so, and hopefully updates on the major league camps as well. Of course, stay tuned to MassinSports.com for all of your updates. Marcus Zuckerman has you covered on the Nationals, and follow uh, Masson Nationals on all social media accounts for all the breaking news revolving around the Nats and baseball. And of course, thanks so much for tuning into the podcast. Be sure to check out the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and or SoundCloud, and watch us every single week live on the Masson Nationals Facebook page and YouTube channel. At Amy Jennings News for Amy on Twitter, I'm at Bobby underscore Blanco. Shout out to Brendan Mortensen for his help behind the scenes. Thanks again for so much for tuning in, and we'll catch you next week. Next week.